Chase, I want to ask you about your weekend. Ask I, me about my weekend. I heard that you have some soccer coaching prowess and your team won and you're 1-0. Yeah, good coaching Yeah, is what it really came down to. Coaching that, 10U soccer. Um, you know, the kids played hard. The coach played harder kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. we're 1-0, retired, 100% win percentage for my soccer coaching career. You got to go all like done. George Costanza on Seinfeld. You go out on top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, is that how you leave a room, too? Always on top. Always on a high note? Yeah, always. Well, congratulations, Coach. Thank you. It was it was good. No, but all seriousness, I was super impressed by the play of the team. And the fun part about doing the tenure is now we got a few more years with them to watch them grow, and they're going to be some stud soccer players in that group. So that was fun. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Episode two of the Unfiltered Game Plan with Valley Sports Academy. We have a very special guest today, and I would like to introduce owner of Valley Sports Academy and maybe one or two other businesses, if I'm being right, Brian Seibert. And one or two is kind of welcome, a joke. Brian. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. All right, Brian. I'm going to ask the first question. Uh, don't we, we we're going to get philosophical here a little bit. See how I did that philosophical. Anyway, um, who is Brian Seibert? Give us give us a, a rundown of your life story from the minute you were born. No, I'm kidding. Oh Lord. Yeah. Let's let's just do a little life story. So why don't you share that with us? All right. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll bring it back to where I was born and raised, a little town called Marathon City. Um, it was about 1,500 people, and I think the last time I drove in there, it was still right around 1,500 people. So um, great little town. I grew up on a farm, farm boy. Um, so that's where uh, um, I did get, I would say, the majority, if not all, of my work ethic from. Um, what so, kind of farming was it? Yeah. Yeah, so my father was, uh, um, we'll say, one of the, I guess, many founders in Marathon County of Ginseng. Um, so the primary um, of what I grew up on farming was, was a ginseng farm. Um, we did a, a little bit of other things. We had some veal calves and some uh, beef calves and stuff like that. But the majority of it was, uh, was ginseng um, in uh, Marathon County. What was your role as a kid? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, my role was pretty much uh, everything my father told me to do. Yeah, I was um, going to say, do it, you're told. Yep. yep. Um, I, uh, you know, back then, as everybody says, back then it was um, it was a lot of work, um, but I uh, did not like it at the time. Um, yeah. It was, I was not a fan of, of, of working as, as much as I did. And, um, but uh, today, um very happy that I was put in that situation because I uh, I can't say that I would be here right now if I if I probably did not grow up on a farm. Okay, and then what? So you farmed, and then you become a you became a, a young adult, a man, and then you did what? Yeah, so um, my junior year of high school, um, you know, they always have the student counselors, uh, whatever you want to call them, sit you down and say, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And I looked at her and I'm like, I want to be an airline pilot. Yeah. And she's like, okay, something realistic. Um, and, um, I'm like, no, that's what I want to do. Never flew an airplane. Um, my family traveled, um, quite a bit growing up. We would take, uh, um, last week of school, we'd go out on vacations. Um, we'd, sometimes we'd drive, sometimes we'd fly, but 
I wanted to be an airline pilot. So we went and looked at a bunch of schools, um, and I chose the University of North Dakota Grand Forks. Um, so I, as soon as I um, graduated from Marathon, I'm like, see you later. Um, nice knowing you, and I wanted to get out. So went to the University of North Dakota Grand Forks. Um, I was a very, I'll say, active uh, um, kid growing up. I enjoyed uh enjoyed having fun um, in high school, we'll put it that way. And um, I went to UND at the worst possible time, um, toured it prior, gorgeous campus. And if everybody remembers back, you can look up the history and stuff, but they had the, the worst flood ever in Grand Forks in mm -hmm. 1997. Mm -hmm. So I went there in the fall of 1997 and the campus just wasn't the same. Um, so I, I lasted um, until I got everything finished up there. And then I, I left and went to an airline academy out in uh, California. So I went to Oakland, California, finished up my airline transport pilot, as they call it, um, and finished up my, my training there to become an airline pilot. Um, after I left California, I was there for, I think, about a year and a half, two years in Oakland, and went and got my first job out of Lansing, Michigan, flying cargo airplanes for UPS, charter, charter airplanes for UPS. Um, so I flew that for several, um, several years, and uh, then I got, into, um, I got into the commercial side of, of mm -hmm. flying. I uh, was based out of Cincinnati, um, flying for Delta, and um, kind of speed things up a little bit um, in 2005. November 17th, 2005, it'll be a date that I'll never forget. Um, I had a seizure in the crew lounge. So I was flying for a uh, commercial airline pilot. I was living in Minneapolis, uh, based out of Cincinnati, um, and I had a seizure, unknown seizure. Um, no idea why. Um, but, uh, I, uh, as a, as a pilot, you'll fly into your, to your bases and stuff like that. And I was just taking a nap in the crew lounge. And next thing you know, I wake up and, um, I'm in an ambulance and the chief pilot's looking over me and I'm wondering what's going on. Mm. Um, and he's like, well, we think you had a seizure. So we're, we're taking you to the hospital. Yeah. Um, so worst possible place you could have a seizure is, uh, in a crew lounge with your, uh, chief pilot, um, looking at you. So, um, after that, they put me in an airplane ride home and, uh, it's kind of what ended my flying career. Um, seizures in uh, the Federal Aviation Administration that looks over the, the airlines and stuff like that don't think very highly on pilots right. having seizures. Yeah. So um, I still have my, my license to fly, but I don't have a medical. You need two things to, to fly an airplane. You need a license and a medical. So after that, um, won't lie, won't sugarcoat it, um, we've got kids coming through VSA that have to realize that uh, they're going to have tough times in their life. Um, this was a very, very tough time in my life. Um, I went through a pretty good state of depression. Um, okay. It was a it was a dream of mine, um, just like kids have dreams all the time. I mean, I had just a kind of like just the rug right underneath. Right. You. Yeah. I no mean, way. I was I was one of the um, youngest youngest pilots uh, um, that was flying at the time, and um, everything was great. Uh, as an airline pilot, you're you're a number um, when you get hired, so you just wait out your time and and climb up through the rankings and, and stuff like that. And um, I was. Uh, um, just buying my time and, and having fun and, um, just got ripped out. But, uh, so that was November 17th, um, 2005, um, and, uh, took, took some time off. Um, the airlines were great to me. Um, they were very, very great to me. Um, we're going to be interested in putting me in the, the front office and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I just, anything that uh, had to do with airplanes, I wanted nothing to do with it. So moved on with my life. Like I said, um, you know, the kids out there listening, um, just, just keep fighting. Um, it's what I'm going to tell everybody, whether it's uh, in sports, whether it's in business or anything, just, just keep fighting. So I got off the couch, um, took a job with a, um, manufacturing company, um, out of, uh, Roberts, Wisconsin. And, um, 
took a job with them in, I think it was 2006, and um, worked my way up in the ranks with them and uh, had an opportunity in 2012 to take a, take a big risk. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about taking risks in life and, and showing your passion. Um, so one thing I'm very, um, very adamant about with, with kids, with adults, with anybody is you got to take risk. You got to take passion, um, into case with everything. And I took a big risk, went to a uh, competitive company, um, that was, we'll say on its last leg. Um, they were on the verge of, of going out of business and I took a, took a big, big risk and it paid off. I, I went there and, um, we, we were able to turn the company around and because I was able to come turn the company around the, uh, um, the owner of the company at that time sold it to me. Uh, and that was my first ever company. So went there in 2012, um, purchased my first company in 2014. Um, wasn't a small company. Uh, it was the largest, uh, concrete pipe manufacturing company in the state of Minnesota. So big, big company. And after that, as they say, the, the rest is history. We, uh, went from 2014 to averaging, uh, buying a business every six months is kind of funny. I just chuckled there because my CFO just said I can't buy another business until April or the second quarter of uh, 2024. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we averaged buying a company every six months, and um, that pretty much brings me to here. Um, I've got a, a family. Um, I've got two boys, a uh, wife. Um, we do live in Chippewa Falls, uh, Lake Wasota area. Um, but that brings me about, uh, to where we're at right well, now. Where I have a question. So at what point did you meet Liz? So your wife, uh, oh, boy. Great question, it was, actually. uh, yeah, yeah, I was flying, um, at okay. the time. So, so, you were so a pilot yep. Time. I was a pilot at the time. Um, she was, I believe her senior year of UW Eau Claire. Okay. So that's how we ended up in uh, the Eau Claire area she was a senior in UW Eau Claire. Um, and, um, I was a, I was an airline pilot at the time. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah, that story, Brian, every time I hear it, it it's one of those where it ne- it's so inspiring and it never gets old. And I'm not just saying that because you're my boss, um, <laughs> but it's true. It truly is inspiring. And we, we preach work for it at VSA. And I mean, growing up, like you just had the definition of that through your career as a pilot, to not knowing what you're going to do to just grinding it out. And here we are. I have a job because of you. So that's pretty cool. But Speaking of businesses, um, can you just give us a little bit of a scope on all the different businesses that you own or invest in? Just the maybe the sectors they're in. That you can share. That you can yeah. share. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I can tell you some of them, but I have to, uh, <laughs> as they say, I'd have to kill you if I told you the rest. <laughs> yeah. um, I just, uh, um, I did write some notes down because there's so many things that, that come up during these podcasts and when people um, ask me to, to speak and, and talk about um, what we've done and, and what we do. And I, I'll legitimately say that I forget about stuff all the time until they come up and my CFO throws something on my desk. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Sorry, buddy. Um, so I actually did write a note down and, um, if we started a new business, which Dave, my CFO, um, great guy, um, he, uh, he said, okay, you can't start one up until second quarter of April. And I'm like, Oh, what, what number is that? And, and, uh, I say number because every, every business that we have is a warehouse number. So that's how we can okay. um, um, classify invoices and stuff like that and charge stuff to. And, and our next uh, business will be number 33. Wow. So okay. right now we do have 32 um, businesses. Um, there are a lot that are running in the, uh, we'll say in the public eye. And there's a lot that's running behind the scenes um, for for reasons that uh, they're support businesses. Um, so some of them are, are more of the support businesses, but there are um, some businesses that are, 
are, uh, we'll say, uh, uh, running in the wings. Um, we do have um, businesses in the construction industry. Um, we do have businesses in the service industry. I consider this a service industry. Um, now we're getting into the sports um, side of things. We've got um, some real estate development. Um, that's kind of the stable side that always is going to be coming and going. You're not going to have a big rate of return on them for the most part, um, but uh, they're always going to be there for you. Um, we are now in the tech sector. Um, we got into the tech sector last year, so that's going to be a really really fun uh, sector. I, I love getting into new industries because it allows me to learn. Um, it's kind of funny. We just had a conversation here of uh, um, fail not to get into different topics, but um, we just had a, a conversation here before we started this and um, the question came up of, of, of when do you stop developing? Yeah. Um, and uh, um, we talked to our kids, you know, um, all the time at VSA and, and myself. Um, I'm 44, going to be 45 in December, and I'm still not right. done developing. Right. Um, so talking about the businesses, um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a wide variety of, of businesses from service to construction industry to tech sector um, to transportation. Um, so I'm how, sure I'm missing some how stuff. How do you balance life then? So for those listening out there, um, because I – you know, I've been working with you for the last seven months, and I think you do a great job of balancing all of that and your family. So how do you do that? How do you prioritize 30, 32, almost 33 businesses? What's your, how do you do that, I guess? Such a good question, Phil. Yeah. That's not even on the script. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the, the biggest thing is that I'm going to tell everybody is, um, you know, everybody gets up, everybody puts socks on usually, um, <laughs> put shoes on, pants. Um, I do the same thing. Um, I've just found a, a passion in something that I really enjoy doing. Um, and when you find that passion, life is a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get up. Um, it's a lot easier to go. It's a lot easier to multitask, to manage stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm going to preach, and that's what I preach, you know, like we said before, when, when, I, when I talk to people or when I give anybody insight, whether they're working for me or, say, they leave me from one of our companies, and I'm just like, go find your passion. Right. Um, if you're leaving me because you have another passion, that is fabulous. Um, so I would say the way that I get through everything, and I don't even want to say get through everything because I don't really feel like I ever right. get through anything. Mm -hmm. It's just... Um, it just happens naturally. Um, I don't know. I don't think I can explain it any more than um, I'm just like yeah. everybody else. And I just I just found a passion of something like I do. And, and business, is, business is fun to me. All right. So that, that kind of is a segue into our next question, which is everybody has a mentor or have mentors or how you get inspired. So do you have, you know, you're a successful business owner, all, all business owners that I've worked with and seen, and, and I've been part of family business, you fail and succeed. I mean, there's both sides. But who inspires you? So who, who do you have a mentor today? Um, and, and who inspires you? How do you stay inspired? That's a tough one. Um, I will say I've never had a business mentor, and I still don't to this day. Um, I, I figured a lot of stuff out on my own. Um, you did mention the word failure. Um, everybody, um, I shouldn't say everybody. Um, there's a lot of people that have, have seen my failures. Um, but a lot of people will see my success. Um, I failed, um, plenty of times. Um, Chase and I have this conversation all the time. Um, and you know, talking about me not having a mentor, that's something that has 
made it, you know, a lot of people may think, oh, you haven't had it hard and everything. It's, that's been my hardest thing is I've never had a mentor. So that's one thing that I like to do and, and mentor people and, and, um, Chase and Phil and everybody. I, I try to put as much information into all of my employees, no matter who they are and where they come from. And if they leave, I feel like it's my job to make them leave better people, um, and more, more prepared for business and and I try to help people as much as I can because I never had that that business mentor um I've learned more of what to do what not to do by trial by fire and and failure um making common sense logical decisions um and if that didn't work well guess what I'm not going to do it again um as far as people that inspired me um I say my father um my father uh (laughs) I'm getting choked up um Talk me work ethic. Yeah, um, that's good. So my work ethic comes from him, and that's what I'd say. Awesome. All right, Chase, you got the next one. Yeah. No, that's a great answer. Um, you know, I guess one kind of follow-up is, you know, through your trials and tribulation and successes and failures of business, do you wish you would have had a mentor, or are you kind of just happy with the way things have worked out and having the opportunity to not have a mentor and you just being able to, like, figure it out? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. Um, looking back, um, I think the business businesses, it would have been easier for me, possibly if I had a mentor that was successful, uh, a successful mentor that, that mentored me on, you know, the right things to do, right things to do, wrong things to do, stay away from this. Um, it would have definitely made my business path easier. And I probably, um, we won't throw numbers to it. Probably, probably would have saved me a couple million dollars um, <laughs> because I've uh, I've made some mistakes that uh, I look back and I'm like, wow. But um, those mistakes also um, made me so much stronger on the business side of things. So um, I'm gonna say right now that uh, no, I'm 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 happy I I uh, um, didn't have a mentor because um, I can look back and say, yeah, I did that. Yeah. It's a great answer. Great it answer. Is. Good, good stuff. We're digging deep. All right. So, um, how'd you come up with VSA? Let's let's jump to that. Um, just what I've heard different. I've heard the same story told different ways, which is cool. But what was like the bolt of lightning that hit you? That like, okay, we need something like Valley Sports Academy in the the Chippewa Valley. So the number one thing I will tell you is I love our community. Um, I love, I love the Chippewa Valley. Um, I love Eau Claire. I love Lake Halley. I love Chippewa Falls and the entire Chippewa Valley community. So that's going to be my, um, my first, um, statement is that I, I love our community. Um, I was not born and raised here. Um, I've lived here since 2006. Um, so love, love the community. Um, lived here since 2006. Like I said, we've we've bounced around from Eau Claire was that where we bought our first house to um, Lake Wissota after that. Um, the biggest thing that inspired me here was one, the community, and two, um, I do have two boys. Um, right now, my boys are freshmen and seventh graders, and they started getting into sports um, when we uh, when I had this idea, and. I noticed that there's a big black hole in Chippewa Valley. Um, and it was disheartening for me to see kids leaving our area to play sports elsewhere because we didn't have options for here, for, uh, for, for kids here. 
Um, they were either going to, you know, the biggest one, they were going to um, the Twin Cities, which double pains me because I love our community, but I also love our state. Mm-hmm. And for kids mm-hmm. to be leaving Wisconsin and going to Minnesota, um, that hurt me. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just not good. Um, it's it's me taking pride in our community and me taking pride in the state of Wisconsin. That's something that I will fight for forever. Um, the second thing is is <clears throat> I noticed personally that sports started to get, um, and I would say about ten years ago, sports started to get ridiculously expensive. Um, when I was growing up, sports were sports were affordable for all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I will say that they are getting ridiculously expensive. Yep. Um, so that's two things that I wanted to fight. Um, uh, and I'll say three things I wanted to concentrate on one, the community Two, I wanted to allow the kids in our community and surrounding communities. And this isn't just Eau Claire and Chippewa Falls. This is, you know, all those communities Mm -hmm. from Hayward to Wausau to Hudson to Marshfield to Spooner to Black River Falls. And I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. If I forgot about a city, I apologize. Um, (laughs) I could write out a list, but it's all the, all the communities that, that want to come to VSA. Um, and another big thing is just the, the availability, the accessibility, and the affordability. Um, I want to tear down those walls, and that's what our, our goal is here, is not only to allow these kids to train locally here so they don't have to go to Madison, they don't have to drive to Milwaukee, they don't have to drive to Green Bay. They can spend that time on the field or on the ice or on the pitch, whatever you want to call it, and spend time with their families at those yeah. things instead of in a car for five, six hours right. to get there. Um, and to make it affordable. Um, so the first thing was we had needed to create a facility. Um, and I think we did a pretty darn good job at it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, extremely good. And the second thing is just tear down those barriers and those barriers are going to be accessibility, affordability. Um, and we're starting, we're starting to get traction, um, try to get buy-in from the businesses around the area that, you know, it's not mm-hmm. that you're just donating money. They're getting right. advertising and allowing their businesses to grow, but they're also helping the community that supports them. Yes. And it's just a big old circle. So I guess to sum it up, that's kind of what, what uh, the reason for for VSA and the v- reason for VSA in uh, the Triple Valley? Well, this is a total lesson of how your passion and your drive eclipses risky investment <coughs> risk. I mean, this was a high risk. I mean, you could have built this facility and two people could have showed up. Mm-hmm. But the facts are, thirty five hundred families in the database, probably over twenty twenty five thousand people visited here the first year. I mean. It's been a beacon of light in the community. It'll continue to scale and grow. Um, so that that's really uh, that's really neat that you actually put it into plan, and it wasn't just this idea that kept going for years and years. So that's awesome. So so kind of ties into the next question. Chase got that. So yeah. So I mean, we talk about breaking down barriers, but right now we're currently in phase one of your big dream of building essentially a sports mecca so i just you know from your perspective what's your end goal with valley sports academy and all the different phases that we have in the future if you want to touch on those two um, but but what's your end goal to the point where you're gonna step back and be like wow we really did it that's kind of a um yeah there, i stumped would them. yeah yeah <laughs> i wouldn't say stumped i, I there's there's 
two ways that I can answer this because we do have a build out of the 40 acres. Mm-hmm. You know, we do, we don't, we own uh, 80 acres here, uh, 40 of which we're going to develop 40. We're going to leave in, um, in the nature, but there's going to be two successes for me in, in this. Um, one is obviously filling those 40 acres with the four phase process that we have. Um, the other I'll hit on the other first is um, we hit on this just probably about a minute ago, but my success here will be um, the ability to bring down cost of sports and have every kid in the Chippewa Valley um, play a sport with no barrier. Um, whether they can afford it, whether they have availability, whether they have accessibility, you know, those are three things that are super important to me. Um, so whether we get to through phase four or, or not, um, which it's looking like we're going to, um, that's going to be my main thing. I, I could care less about the arena and the outdoor turf field sure. and the hotel water park that we'll, we'll hit on here shortly. But I would say when I can see that a kid can come in here and play hockey or play baseball or play softball or soccer, whatever sport that we, what, that we offer here, those are those sports that we offer right now. Um, when a kid can come in here and he or she can play, can enjoy the sport, can live the passion, and there's nothing holding him or right. her back. The only thing holding him or her back is pure passion. As soon as that happens, as soon as we can invite every kid through these doors and pretty much say, you know what, buddy? Yep, we have a um, tier one hockey team um, and average cost, and I'll just put average cost out there, is in Chicago you're paying $15,000, um, which is, like I said, ridiculous. Um, you know, it's not going to be that expensive here, but when a kid like that can come here and he or she's got talent and they want to push themselves, but you know, unfortunately couldn't afford it or, or mom and dad, they work two jobs and um, they can't take them to um, California and Detroit and all that stuff. And we can say, you know what, bud or girl, we we got you. We we got you. Mm -hmm. We will handle everything. Um, If I can pull that off and we can pull that off as VSA, it's a success. Um, so that's, that's where I'm going to say the success comes. Um, when, when that happens, um, whether it's hockey or softball or baseball or soccer, I'm not just labeling one sport. Um, it's just one of them that I know about right now that, uh, I can talk, uh, um, details about as soon as we can do that for any kid that comes through, that's got a good heart, that's got a good family, that's good passion, um, that really wants to learn whatever their game they're in. As soon as we can do that and say, you know what, don't worry about anything else. We right. got you. Let's show nice. passion. As soon as we can do that, that's success. Awesome. So we got a couple of minutes that. left. So I know we have a pretty, that's, that's awesome. You know, um, that's what our community really needed. Yeah. Too. And, and, and we need to see that through as just part of this experience mm-hmm. and journey. Um, but we, we have kind of a hard-hitting question here, or, or a philosophical one again. So, Chase, you want to frame this one up, this last one? Yeah, so this, this is a fun question that Phil and I talked about the other day that we're going to ask every guest that comes on to the, the, end, the yeah. podcast here at the end. And, you know, this one being, Brian, what, what do you fear? And we're not talking like, <laughs> like spiders yeah. and clowns, <laughs> but, you know, what, it, what is something that, that you fear, um, whether it be about – VSA business, um, what do you fear? That's a good question. Um, what do I fear? Um, I would say we'll, we'll talk about VSA. You know, we don't t- need to talk about all my other businesses. Um, the only thing that I fear at VSA is that VSA and this community will be limited by red tape. 
Um, and what I mean by that is the the, the sports um, and even youth sports. I shouldn't even say youth sports. Youth sports, I believe, is more political than professional sports. And, yeah, I would agree um, with that. Totally. Unfortunately, the biggest thing that I fear is the political red tape that is surrounded by youth sports is what's going to hold VSA back. Yeah. We are fighting right now, um, right now with, uh, we'll say, one of our four sports. Um, I know for a fact we can excel this sport. I know for a fact we can grow this sport. Yeah. I know for a fact we can bring this sport to the to the, I guess, to the big front of Wisconsin. And right now we're simply being held back by a political, yeah, I'll say red tape. Um, so the only fear that I have with VSA is that we will be limited by something out of our control. Right. Um, I'm going to say that's going to be my, yeah. my only fear. Everything else, not scared of. Yeah. I, one thing that I picked up on, I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but so your, your son's race – yeah. Did you race too? I did. I think you have a huge need for speed. <laughs> I do. Think? I, yeah, uh, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, the I used to race speed. asphalt. So Okay, yeah. yeah. So, and so my boys you don't here. have that fear nope. of any kind nope. planes, racing, asphalt racing, all that. The need for speed. Need for speed. Need for yeah. speed. I can I, I picked up on that. Um so all right. Well I mean I think anything else, Chase, that no, but Brian, thanks for taking the time yeah, out of your, you. your busy schedule to be with us today. This was this was a fun podcast for yeah. me to be a part of too. Just get to learn more about you and what you fear too. Yeah. Something against you. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, thank you.